there were probably 900 kids in this gym that we were sitting in when someone was talking um, about mental health. And one of, and we played a little game with our phone lights. And they were like, raise your phone light um, if you've been to a high school party. You know, raise, raise your phone light if school's stressful for you. Kind of a wellness check. But then one of the heaviest questions was, raise your phone light if you've ever considered suicide. And I didn't see a single person without a phone light up. Many amazing teens are working to increase mental health awareness and support. Lauren Skemp is one of them. She's our guest on this episode of Win This Year. Drugs and alcohol. Bullying. Unhealthy relationships. Depression. Internet safety. Substance use. Body image. Self-injury. Suicide. Anxiety. Social media. Kids. Pre-teens. Parenting. Middle school. High school. Adolescents. Teens. Coping skills. Self-care. Relationships. Strategies. Life skills. Prevention. Solutions. Help. Hope. Leadership. Insight. Information. Inspiration. You're listening to Win This Year, the official podcast of Not My Kid, a prevention nonprofit focused on inspiring positive life choices by helping kids, parents, families, and those who work with youth. Informative, interesting, inspiring. Win this year. Welcome to Win This Year. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. Our guest for this episode is Lauren Skemp. Lauren Skemp is 17 years old and is pursuing a career in both theater and stage. She has both acted and directed in films. Additionally, Lauren is in the process of publishing her first book this summer. On top of all that, she has dipped her toe in the world of entrepreneurship. You're making me feel lazy here. Lauren, welcome to Win This Year. Thank you so much for having me and for thinking of me. I'm so, so excited to be here. You and I met at a fundraising event that your school had for Not My Kid, and it was mentioned that you were in the process of developing a mental health app for teens. I knew immediately that we wanted to have you as a guest on the show. Since we started some 30 episodes ago, I've wanted to highlight students out there who are doing great and powerful and positive things to change the mental health landscape, and now we're finally doing it. What inspired you to create the app? Yeah, so... I was in a simple entrepreneurship class at my school for my sophomore year, and the end goal of this class was that we were pitching to something that was like a Shark Tank Junior type of thing, and it was this national competition. And I personally had had personal struggles with mental health and have gone through a lot, and one of my really good friends was family friends with Chester Bennington, who did end up taking his own life Mm -hmm. a few years ago. So we kind of got together and we got this idea of we really wanted to help others out there and we really wanted to make a positive impact. And so we created this app, My Inc., as a way to help high school students who may be feeling alone and feeling um, like they don't really have anyone to go to. So that's where the app kind of sparked and we started doing it. We did the idea and did the little basic planning in our class and then we pitched it to my or to seat spot the national competition and we ended up winning it and that's wow. when we kind of knew that this was a bigger thing than just you know a class project and we really wanted to take this to a farther level you mentioned chester bennington he's actually one of the examples i use when i'm out educating on suicide 
he's one of the examples I use where we can't look at someone based on their level of success, their level of fame, their level of achievement, and say this person could never struggle with mental health challenges because it crosses, as you know, as someone who's dealt with your own challenges, it crosses over into every every demographic. And so it's so inspiring that you chose to do this. What are you looking to put in the app? What are the features uh, you're looking for in the app? What is the primary purpose? Like how does the, how do the actual mechanics of the app work? So our biggest kind of feature that we like to push is that it's connected through your school. So the customers are schools. The customers are the ones that the schools are the ones that um, use the app for their students. So it's kind of like if a school had um, we use Canvas for all of our homework. So it's kind of like that where students can go on it and you're connected to your guidance counselor immediately. Wow. So you can anonymously or unanonymously, however you would like, however you're most comfortable, reach out to your guidance counselor in any way, shape, or form. And that is just one of the features that we have along with, it's a journaling app and it's somewhere where you can customize your page to make it you. And it's where you can log your feelings for that day. You can jot down some notes, you can say something, and then you can send those to your guidance counselor at any point in time. And they're able to assess you and assess the situation as better as how they could help you. Journaling, I love it. I, that, as somebody who's in recovery from substance use myself, writing, getting my thoughts out on paper is such an important thing. And I, and I know that that's not unique to me. That's a very popular thing to do. I love the fact that it allows you to reach out to your, your counselor anonymously because there might be some people who know they need to speak up, they're ready to do it, but they're not ready to you know, fully put their name behind it. And we wanna make it as easy as possible for people to do this. The easier we can make it for someone to speak up and ask for help, the more people who are going to get help. Where are you in the development process right now? How far along are you? Um, so we created this about a year ago and then, um, COVID hit, COVID struck, obviously. Yes. So it kind of put a halt on a lot of the de development aspects of it, a lot of the connections that we were making. And um, my business partner recently decided that um, he's going to college next year and he wanted to take a step back from this because this wasn't um, his priority, which is so understandable because going to college is so stressful. And um, so that kind of put a halt on it for a few months. But I recently in the past month or two picked it up again and I've discussed with him and I'm going to keep moving forward with this and he's going to kind of sit this one out. Um, but we are currently not an actual app yet, but we are an idea and I still have a bunch of the connections that we got from the competition and I've been using those to build the team again and keep adding things to this simple idea. If listeners are interested, is there a way for them to stay updated on the app and or get notified when it becomes available? Or, or perhaps someone may want to be a funder of the app. Is there a way for them to stay connected? Absolutely. We have um, an Instagram, a Twitter, a Facebook under the name My Inc. Um, right now, that name is most likely going to change as things um, continue. But um, under those social media platforms, you will have contact ways to contact us and those um those contact ways will, won't be changing but the names may change so but not anytime soon so under the name my ink we have all on any social media platform pretty much you can find 
um, our page. And um, it's pretty dull right now, but in the next few months, there will be some updates and there will be um, places to see how things are going along. And we will put those links down in the show notes for those who didn't catch that and and do want to stay connected, do want updates, or as I said, maybe a funder wants to reach out, we will put those links down in the show notes. While the app was the initial reason why I wanted to have you on the show, I also want to talk with you about teen mental health in general. We've had plenty of experts on the show so far, but we're all adults. As much as we may feel we know what's going on, we're outsiders. You're living it. You see it firsthand. What do you feel are the biggest mental and behavioral health challenges for teens right now? P, uh, teens are scared to to reach out. And I think that's one of the biggest things I try to, you know, preach almost in my friend group is that it's not a bad thing to ask for help. It's one of the, the it's one of the strongest things that you can do. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing when you have the courage to ask for help and people see that as a sign of weakness. And I see it as the exact opposite. And um, one of the things that actually really inspired me to create this app and kind of opened my eyes is I was at a leadership council um, for Arizona uh, about a year ago. And there were probably 900 kids in this gym that we were sitting in when someone was talking um, about mental health. And one, and we played a little game with our phone lights, and they were like, raise your phone light um, if you've been to a high school party. You know, raise, raise your phone light if school's stressful for you. Kind of a wellness check. But then one of the heaviest questions was, raise your phone light if you've ever considered suicide. And I didn't see a single person without a phone light up. Everyone in the gym, every high schooler, all the 900 kids the gym was just illuminated with their phones and it was inspiring. It was scary. It was eye-opening. It was an amazing experience just to see that everyone is struggling. And I think it's just hard because everyone's so scared to ask for that help. That is powerful. And also I could see one of the benefits of that exercise is allowing the students there who had thought about suicide to look around that room and realize they're not alone. And exactly. Now, you mentioned that teens are scared to reach out, and, and one of the, the reason you mentioned is one I'm, I'm very familiar with. It's something that I educate on. It's a myth I'm trying to get rid of when I'm speaking to adults on depression, self-injury, and suicide, is that myth, and it still exists in our society, that somehow if you reach out for help or if you're struggling with a mental or behavioral health challenge, it somehow makes you weak. And I love that you said it's one of the strongest things that you can do. It takes courage to ask for help. Is there, beyond that, is there, are there other reasons that you think teens are afraid to reach out to ask for help, or would you say that's probably the biggest one? I think, like, what you were saying is when, like, in that activity, they saw that they weren't alone, and I think that that's another thing, that they feel alone, and they feel like they're the only one that could possibly be going through whatever they're going through. And maybe on a very specific level, yes, they are the only ones in their lives, but they're not the only ones with, you know, maybe depression, anxiety, and a lot of people go through the same thing, and when they don't really realize that, and they don't see that there's no one that would understand them, um, that then they become, they go into their shells and they become afraid to ask if maybe their friend is going through the same thing or ask if anyone had a resource that they can use to get that help that they needed. 
Do you feel like your generation feels like you have to portray a perfect image online? Because that's we hear that a lot as adults. We hear that a lot in the field of prevention and mental health. Is that something that you feel is a pressure for people who are at or around the age that you're at? On a water scale, yes, 100%. I think when it comes to um, social media, they they obviously, social media pressure, whether you believe in it or not, I think it's going to exist for every person, no matter your gender, no matter your age. I think that there is always going to be like, a kind of a th- that thought in the back of someone's mind if they're on social media of well I don't look like that person I'm not like why don't I get those things kind of thing mm-hmm. like and it's that's where kind of the stem of your you feel alone comes from because you see all these other people and they always look happy and they always look that they're doing something that you're not doing and that when so on a water scale of seeing all those all those followers that you may have or all the people that you are following that um, yes, there is definitely a, a degree of separation in that. I think when you get into the specifics of it, into friend groups, it can kind of vary of um, you see your friends doing something and maybe you weren't invited to it. And that is a really big, you feel alone. And so it's always, people are always posting what they're doing, which kind of correlates to other people feeling uninvited, unloved type of thing. I'm glad you mentioned that that's not something that's reserved for preteens and teens. You mentioned it affects adults too, because it does. I've seen adults start to feel some jealousy if someone's posting pictures from a vacation they got to go on, or even adults who will get together with a bunch of friends and one of the friends is not invited and doesn't get to be there. And so that's affecting all of us societally, regardless of demographic, as you said. Are there any misunderstandings you feel adults may have about what students are facing today? Are we focused on the right priorities when it comes to trying to help? I think it definitely depends on the situation, on the person, on the relationship, on exactly what you would be talking about in that scenario. But I do feel like a lot of um, adults, especially in your schools and in your communities, will 100% be there to help teens. And I think sometimes, especially today's demographic, there's a lot of different opinions. There's a lot of different cultures no one's ever going to think the exact same. Mm. So it truly does depend on the relationship and the exact scenario of how, how people are trying to help and how people are trying to get help. Um, I think there is a significantly more of a talk about mental health, which is absolutely amazing. I think in the last few years, people were scared to kind of talk about mental health. And um, recently it's kind of been, a lot more people I've seen have been advocating for it and have been showing that it's a normal thing. And I think that's opening a lot of kids, a lot of adults, anybody's minds and to to be more open to learning about mental health and to assessing their own um, mental health as to instead of suppressing feelings that they may have, realizing that it's good to express them. That is a good point. We have societally gotten a lot better in recent years about talking about that. That was something that years ago, you know, you didn't talk about or or people swept mm-hmm. it under the rug or was it, you know, it was an embarrassment to them. And I like using the example and, and longtime listeners of when this year will 
will know exactly what I'm about to say here. I've said it several times on the show that mental health is health. We would not be ashamed or embarrassed to go to the emergency room for a broken leg or a broken arm. This is no different. And I encourage parents and I encourage teens alike to understand that if, if they are facing or a family member is facing a mental or behavioral health challenge, it doesn't make them weak. It doesn't make them broken or strange or, or less of a person. Now, when I mentioned to you, you know, the, the priorities that we're focusing on right now, what's really on our radar right now when it comes to teen mental and behavioral health is suicide, stress and anxiety, substance use, especially fentanyl coming in the form of fake pills and problems caused by social media. Do you see these as major issues for students right now? And if so, which ones in particular? Definitely the idea of stress and anxiety, I think can be, you know, like you said, swept under the rug as, oh, she's just nervous. Oh, they have a big test. Obviously they're stressed. It's nothing to worry about. But I think that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it's a real um, mental illness and it's a re- anxiety can really take a toll on someone's life. And I think that that's one of the biggest things um, with COVID this year, people are reevaluating and experiencing things that no one else has ever had to experience. And um, problems caused by social media is definitely a big one. And again, like I said, a lot of people will kind of say, no, no, I don't, you know, compare myself. Like I love myself. And Maybe they do, but in the back of their minds, there's always going to be that sense of, well, I didn't do this and someone else did. Mm -hmm. Or no matter if you're trying to compare, you subconsciously will. And I think that's where things like stress and anxiety could stem from. And I don't see much substance abuse, but I definitely hear about it. And I definitely know it's a very prominent um, issue. Um. But and I think that in that situation, there are so many resources that people are even more scared to reach out to, because in that situation, I think people are scared of getting in trouble. And that's something that is really hard to tell someone that they do need help. Because they're going to be like, no, that I'm going to, you know, get in trouble. I don't want that. I wouldn't. I'm definitely not going to go, you know, talk to an adult. And I think that's one of the the harder topics to um, give an answer to because you don't know who, like, what's going to happen after they go to an adult because it just depends on how that adult assesses that situation. Parents, if you're listening, we need to really let that last point sink in. If you're child comes to you and mentions to you that they are struggling with substance use, thank them for their honesty and and congratulate them and sit down and talk to them with empathy and love and ask, what can I do to help you? And get connected to professional help. If, if there are behaviors that need to be adjusted later, there's time later, but we're talking about a life and death situation. And you mentioned that, that people are even more afraid to speak up about that than they are about suicide because you don't necessarily get in trouble for having suicidal thoughts. For a lot of teens and preteens, if they've been drinking or using, they will get in trouble. Let's collectively, parents, let's all of us keep our kids alive and keep them healthy and safe. It takes so much courage to speak up, and, and we want to make that that connection available to them. What is the single biggest thing that you wish people realized or understood about teen mental health? If you could 
make one point that you think is most important to get across? Um, I think that people need to realize that, I mean, teens just want to be treated like adults. And if you treat a teen that, like, again, I said, oh, they're stressed, they just have a big test. Like, no, that's, if they're coming to you and say, I, you know, I can't do this event right now. I have all, I have so much on my mind or I really don't want to be in this social situation. And you're just kind of, you know, putting it under the rug, as you said, as other things that it could be. And you don't take into account that they are really, really struggling. Then that just will make it worse. And that will add on to it. Teens simply just want to be understood. And as you said, if a te- if someone comes to an adult, they don't want to get in trouble. Being commended for doing that will turn the situation towards them as they did something right and in coming to somebody. The way you talk about some of those situations being dismissed as, well, you're just nervous. I've heard the term teen drama thrown around, and that's something mm-hmm. that we really need to not use because that belittles someone's problems. That downplays someone's problems. And if they hear us using terms like that, if our kids hear us using terms like that, do they think they're going to f- feel like they can come to us? Absolutely not. So what what do you think helps students achieve and or maintain good mental health? What works for you? And the reason I ask this is we often advocate things like music, writing, art, sports, mountain climbing, skateboarding, making beats, martial arts, whatever. Do you feel that those healthy coping skills are as helpful as we believe they are? Or is there something else that you think does even better as far as maintaining or or gaining positive mental health? I definitely, like in my personal life, I definitely have those things that I go to. I love to write. I love to create, listen to music. I love to go on runs, to exercise. So many things that just help your your mind ease and help it calm down in in any sort of situation. I also do very much think that one huge, huge thing that helped me, at least it helped a lot of people that I know, is to have one adult and one teen, each uh, as a friend or a guidance counselor, um, people from two different age groups, one adult, one friend that you have, you know, are there for you and you know, you can go to and you know, understand you. And I think it's even more important in the adult aspect. For me, my best friend um, is someone who always will advocate for mental health and she went through a lot as well and I always know that she understands where I'm coming from and she always uses this term and um she I, she's famous for for telling people this that your feelings are valid and when and as soon as you invalidate your feelings that's when that's when not only you but everyone else won't take yourself seriously mm-hmm. and for me as well I my biggest person that I I went to was a guidance counselor and I I went to her and I asked for her help and I didn't know her at all before I went there but this my best friend that I was talking about said you know I know this person I've I've known her for a few years she's a guidance counselor at your school go to her and talk to her and as soon as I did things became so much better and just you know making that one really 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 hard step to put yourself out there and ask for help could change everything and can make things turn complete a complete 180 
How can we make you feel like you can approach us? What did that guidance counselor do that made you feel? Now, obviously, your friend advocated and said this is a good person. What is it that we can do to make you feel like you can approach us as parents or as adults, as educators? And and what is it we need to stay away from doing when it comes to making ourselves approachable? What stood out about this particular guidance counselor was that she treated me like um, I was an equal and I was her age. She didn't treat me as a kid that was, you know, stressed out. She she fully took into account my point of view and she brought in other point of views from other people in my life saying, like, if I had problems with my parents, she'd be like, well, think about it, how, you know, they might be feeling. And she kind of broke it down and she really, really acted like, we were on the exact same level. She wasn't She wasn't better than me in any way just because she was a guidance counselor, just because she was older, just because she was a teacher. We had a real conversation um, that I would have with my friends, and it just felt so comfortable, and it felt that much easier to break down what I was thinking. I think you kind of just answered part of this question I'm about to ask, but you may have some more suggestions do you have any suggestions for the parents listening as far as how to ke- help keep their kids emotionally and mentally healthy? Check in on them is always one of the things I'll always say. Like, don't dismiss, you know, if they're having a bad day, but also don't pry. Like, it's hard to, it's hard, it's really, really hard to find that balance and um, between not prying and then not at all being involved. But if you see, you know, your kid and you see them acting maybe differently than they would on a really good day, then just say, hey, is, did anything happen today? And if they say no and don't continue to ask because that'll make them crawl into their shell even more. I think just the most important thing is just say, you know, whatever it is, I'm here ready to listen whenever you need it. No judgment kind of thing. Something that they So they know that they could eventually go to you when they're ready because they might not be ready at the point in time when you're asking. The app that you're working on is kind of an answer to this next question, but there may be some more things. Is there anything you feel that could be done at the school level to help students with mental health? And if so, what? I think teachers being more involved in students lives and guidance counselors being involved in student life i think it's harder i go to a school that's relatively small i every you everyone's a familiar face you might not be best friends with everyone but you know all the teachers you know everybody and and it's easier at that point to find um strong connections to both students and teachers when you get to a school with 3,000 kids it'll be so much more difficult and i don't have much experience in that but I think teachers are, you're with your teacher more than a lot of people in your life because you're at school eight hours a day. And so they see their students and they, they more than they maybe realize, they understand how that student may act. And it's really important for teachers to also like connect with their students because that'll form a bond that's helpful in so many different things whether it's college whether it's personal life it it's some it's a connection that you don't really get anywhere else in your life because these are educators that can also be really really valuable emotional connections 
That's true. I, I've met a number of students who've told me the difference maker for them, the biggest difference maker, ended up being one of their teachers. And that's when we are encouraging students to have those healthy connections. You mentioned having one specific teen one, one specific adult one. When we are advocating picking one of the adult ones, educators, we mentioned coaches, mentors, religious leaders, obviously we start with parents and grandparents. And those relationships, that's just so big. If you take the time to create that relationship with someone, and as you said, you're in front of them eight hours a day, you can save a life. I mean, as much as math and English and history and all those things are important, having that someone be a healthy human being and grow as a healthy human being is, I mean, that's a powerful thing to be able to do. What is yeah. your advice for the teens out there when it comes to mental health? Now, this this show is is primarily focused on a parent audience. Occasionally, a parent may share one of these episodes with a, a student. What's your advice for teens when it comes to mental health? What's the most important message you think they need to hear? That mental health isn't a bad guy. <laughs> it's really not, and it's really something that it just takes so much courage and so much strength to realize that you may not be your perfect self and you may not be your best self and it's so important to go and get that help and as scary and frightening as it is i guarantee that there's got to be someone out there that you can go to and if there's not there's resources online and there's people that you can call and there's people that you can talk to and i think the most important things they have to realize is that your feelings are valid and that whatever you are thinking, whatever you are feeling, there is a reason and you can't dismiss your own thoughts just because you think they're unimportant. There's a reason that you have those thoughts and that you have those feelings. And finding someone to confide in is really important. And I guarantee that other people are going through the same thing and you're not alone and you never will be alone if you if you go when you find those connections. That's probably the biggest single point that when I share my story of addiction and recovery that I really emphasize when I get to the end about what's different for me now, what what I do differently now that helps me, is letting students know, don't feel like you have to fight your battles alone. You mm -hmm. know, as you said, it takes courage to ask for help, but there are people out there who genuinely do care and genuinely do wanna help. If the first person you go to doesn't take you seriously, that's not about you. That's about them. Go to the next person and the next until you find the help you need. And we'll put, as always, with with uh, when this year, we will uh, have a clip with some resources following the episode here. Just off the top of my head, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. That's 800-273-TALK. And then you can also text the word LISTEN to 741-741. That's the crisis text line at 741-741. Lauren, is there anything else you'd like to add or anything you feel I may have overlooked? I don't really think there's anything we overlooked. I really think that all the points that we made in, in this conversation is just super important for people of any age, people of any gender, people of any demographic, that um, they just realize they're really not alone and it's really a matter of talking to someone and um finding those things like we said earlier briefly like finding like finding those small things that do make you happy going on runs writing journaling stuff like that it can make a difference in 
waking up on the right side of the bed and having a good day. So I just think that understanding that anything that you're thinking is something that should not go dismissed. And like you said, if you if you go to the first person and maybe they do dismiss you, go to the next one. Don't let that waver your confidence because everyone's here for a reason. Everyone has a purpose and nothing of your life should go dismissed. Today's guest, Lauren Skemp, the app for now is called My Inc. We will have the links to the social media down in the show notes. Lauren is someone who I fully expect to go out there and change the world, and I think you're already doing so. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us here on Win This Year. Thank you for having me. As always on Win This Year, we'd like to give you some resources in case you are facing a mental or behavioral health challenge or you're helping someone who is. You can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by calling 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. The crisis text line can be reached by texting the word LISTEN to 741-741. Community information and referral services are available by dialing 211 or visiting 211.org. And the Not My Kid text line can be reached by texting the word QUESTION to area code 602-580-0665. Once again, text the word QUESTION to area code 602-580-0665. Thanks again to our guest, Lauren Skemp. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy Win This Year, please be sure to subscribe, share, and spread the word. Win This Year can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and nearly every other mainstream podcast outlet. If you have questions or concerns, would like to suggest a guest or a topic for a future episode, email us at winthisyear@notmykid.org. As always, all links mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes, along with all the links for Not My Kids social media. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. Thanks again for listening to Win This Year.